0: It's Nostalgia, your last regular show of the year. I am Patrick Sheehan with my co-host, director Martinson. Dave, (laughs) how are you doing this week? I'll try not to choke on my aspirations, Pat. How are you? What a line. Just great dialogue in that movie. I think so. It it was alright. It was kind of cheesy and and very predictable at points. There's literally a part where I remember mouthing what the next line was going to be. And I was like, how how do I know this? Because it's Mm. just very simple, I think. They weren't trying to do a lot with the dialogue. We're referring to Rogue One. We're going to be getting to that later. We're going to be talking about Moonlight in this episode. Best picture contender. Mm -hmm. Moonlight. And we're also going to be touching on a couple of trailers. This is where you get your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. Why don't we start... Here, though, Dave, I wanted to give you something that I, I think you'll have a pretty interesting take on. So, just before we started recording, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announced their 2017... Tupac. Uh, you did see this. Damn. I wanted to get your, your reaction. What yeah. do you think? Tupac in the Rock and Roll He's Hall of Fame? He's like the sixth rapper slash rap group in there. Right. It's like, what, Run DMC? And uh, WA. Public uh, Enemy. Yep, definitely. Uh, Biggie in there? I can't maybe imagine. Maybe Big Daddy Kane. I don't know. Right. I definitely Run DMC, N.W.A., Public Enemy, now Tupac. So I don't mm. know the other two. What do you I still think it's weird. I don't totally get it. What is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I don't know. It is, I mean, you basically have... anyone who was moderately successful has gotten in, right? Uh, yes, I like, know. Are they clamoring? Who's a snub? Who who? We've been clamoring to get uh, in. This week, Chic, Niles Rogers band from the '60s and '70s mm. didn't get in, it was, and I think it was their last year on it. But they oh. said that they're going this to honor like, Niles Rogers. So there it's is. like it's like baseball is a limited window for eligibility. I, but it doesn't make sense because bands like ELO, Yes, Journey got in this year, Tupac got in, but you're not gonna let Niles Rogers band which ELO you... got in? Yes got in. I mean Yes is I would say is less popular than ELO. ELO at least has some pretty decent What's the youngest or newest band? Is Nirvana already in there? Nirvana's definitely in there. Yeah. I think Green Day got Yeah, it in makes sense. I Joe um, is like forty. I also yeah, I mean it's also like weird because, you know, when you think of Hall of Fames, you think about retired people because you think of sports first. But then, I mean, the Rolling Stones have probably been in there for what thirty years at this point. Probably. <laughs> so hey, I, I can't wait for like fifteen years from now when they have no one to put in. Hall of Fames are jokes. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, like c- Cage the Elephant's gonna get in when they're they're like not even in their forties It's 40s gonna be yet. it's gonna be the, the chain smokers getting inducted <laughs> in like twenty years. Yeah, you used that great drum roll one. And good enough for us. <laughs> right. Come on in. Play the uh, award show while you're at it. So uh, I'm a little disappointed that you already heard about this, because I really wanted to get an, an initial reaction, because I was just taken aback. But why don't we talk about out. something that I had a pretty strong initial reaction to. Dunkirk yes. released its, I think, first full-length trailer, right? Correct. They had some teaser there trailers. There was like a 30-second no-dialogue teaser a mm-hmm. few months ago, and a few weeks ago. It was lit. Yeah, it was, I mean, Nolan, I think we both ride pretty hard for Nolan. Nolan! <laughs> but this this trailer looks pretty fantastic. This is exciting because this is the first time Christopher Nolan's tackling nonfiction. Obviously, he's going to embellish things, to make the movie better. Sure. We know that. But if there was ever a weak link to Christopher Nolan filmmaking, which, again, take that out of grain of salt because it's Christopher Nolan filmmaking, but it's his narratives, right? Sure. Like, sometimes there's... Leaps in logic. There's gaps, nonsensical things, and that's coming from a guy who I love all of his movies. I love Interstellar. Mm-hmm. And some people hate the way that movie ends. Dark Knight Rises. That movie's got problems. Inception. That movie's <laughs> perfect. Don't say anything bad about Inception. Inception's a great movie. Then he has what Memento the Dark Knight, The Prestige. The other two Batman's. So this is the first time he's doing anything that's based on anything real. So that's really interesting. And also the Dunkirk evacuation was already portrayed in Atonement. Right. Like it's like a five minute sure, tracking yeah. shot, though. It's like really, really good. So it'll be interesting to see how this story, this movie obviously expounds upon and makes that story much bigger and grander. Yeah, and I mean, great cast, as always. So exactly. I was going to say, we, it has a fantastic cast. Nolan is able to get pretty much anyone I think he wants to, sure. to be in his movies. I think what I'm most excited for is just Nolan. He's taking, I mean, Dunkirk, the evacuation. It's well-known in history, but it's not a huge talking thing. point when you learn about World sure. War II. But it, it's not a moment that, when, especially, I guess, as Americans, we think of as, like, oh, that's a really important moment. We think about D-Day yeah. and and things like that. Mm-hmm. He's going to take this this event that none of us really, I, I think, other than history buffs, really know about, and he's going to make it into this grand, huge thing. And I'm really excited to see how, how he plays that out in Makes this a part of my life. I mean, I know in a year I'm going to be like, Dunkirk, that's so yeah, important to World War II. <laughs> the, the, the weird thing, too, is... Well, not weird, just... When the trailer came out, Harry Styles trended because all of the 1D fans were in love with... Oh, you said Harry Styles was just a singer, but watch him act. Oh, my God, I love <laughs> there's him. There's, like, one shot of him. Well, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's not in the trailer at all, really. Oh, he's not? No, yeah, there's that one oh, shot, just him, like, looking at the ground or something. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, again, Cillian Murphy and Tom Hardy, Nolan Vets... Mark Rylance coming mm. off his best actor win. Yeah. And Kenneth Branagh's in it, too. So, stacked. The, the fact Kenneth Branagh is, like, fourth mention is, <laughs> I mean, ridiculous. So that'll be something we're, we're keeping track of. Blade Runner 2049 also dropped its first, I guess, this is technically a teaser trailer. but First, yeah, first look. Yeah. First anything. Looks beautiful. It does. Gosling, being gosling, doing some very gosling-looking things. With some gosling-looking faces. Old Harrison Ford. He's gonna die, because he wouldn't have came back. Not in real life. Well, no, no, in the movie. Okay. Like, (laughs) when you say young Harrison Ford, they say he's gonna die. Hope not. Or old Harrison Ford. I'll cry when he dies. That will be said. There's no way he went back for Force Awakens without the stipulation that you kill off Han Solo. So I'm pretty sure uh, Rick Deckard's gonna die in Blade Runner 2049. He's just killing off all of his famous characters. Yeah, so people just shut up about it. (laughs) And he'll also take the huge check, because why not? Yeah, but it looks great. I mean, we didn't really see too much in it, but it looks cool. Blade Runner 2049 is being directed, not by Ridley Scott this time, just producing, but directed by Dennis Villeneuve, who most recently did Arrival. Great movie from November, which we reviewed here at SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. So did. check that out if you missed Stay it. In. Just a few weeks ago. So yeah, I'm excited for that because he's a young director with many successful hit movies on his hands between Arrival and Passengers, Prisoners enemy and sicario see dave your mind was already moving to where i was going to next so you (laughs) i I think your quote was there is no way passengers will be bad said it more than once (laughs) let me just repeat that there is no way passengers will be bad Mm -hmm. quote of dave martin said said, that what are what are critics saying about passengers dave bad ending Hmm. doesn't make sense Hmm. something like that i didn't look into it too much i was Hmm. too sad oh what, I mean, what, what do you think about that? How, how did Jennifer Lawrence miss? She never misses. I mean, to be honest, though, Chris Pratt hasn't missed since he be, became a huge star. And Jennifer Lawrence well, uh, mildly missed with joy. But that was like David or Russell part three, so we, whatever. Would what? you count Furious 7? Or not Furious 7, Jesus Christ. Got Vin Diesel in the mind, apparently. Magnificent 7. Magnificent 7. I mean, is that it? Uh, That's a good point. Feels like a miss. Feels it, like he's taking some L's this year. It's a meh. He needs Guardians to come back out prop them up a little bit i was just i'm just disappointed i'm gonna see it still i'm gonna see it this weekend so i'll report back but <laughs> let me know how it is sad way less surprising though is the terrible reviews assassin's creed is getting yeah i mean so video game movies uh <laughs> they are losing. they well i don't think we're gonna see one for a while now because this was the great chance the big budget chance great talent movie that future video game projects were hedging their bets on and if this one didn't work why is the next one gonna work I am nothing. Yeah, I really don't have much to say about Assassin's Creed being bad. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I, I really like Fastbender. Um, who doesn't? He's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I really love Steve Jobs, and then this would probably be the next movie I've seen him in. I, I guess like the movies you I think of. See it, Twelve Years a Slave. No, I still I still haven't seen. See Prometheus. I had seen the best Prometheus. part of Prometheus. Yeah, he's really great at that. Um, Did you see Three Hundred? That's his first role. I actually never saw 300. Uh, I, I okay, I've seen the see, like second he, half. Three. He's the young Spartan who his dad is also a Spartan and he like, looks back at his dad, and then he gets his head cut off. That was Michael Fassbender. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, I don't remember that part, but I think probably my favorite Fassbender role is Inglorious Bastards, playing the undercover mm-hmm. German. and then mm-hmm. I knew who he was back then. I had to rewatch that. Awesome. Why don't we move on to Moonlight and Rogue One? Why don't we start with Moonlight? Because yeah. Rogue One, I mean, killed it at the box office, 155 million. And Moonlight. Rogue 155. Yeah, there, there you go. go. But Moonlight has been out for a while, so we're a little late on this. So we've given you all plenty of time to see this. See? I mean, it wasn't a wide release until relatively recently. So Moonlight, directed by Barry Jenkins. It's hard to say who this really stars, because it kind of moves. Um, I mean, who are the constants? Naomi okay. Harris is the mom. Janelle Monae is the girlfriend. Teresa. 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 And, and her, her boyfriend, Maharshala. Ali. Maharshala. A.K.A. I mean, Remy Daly from yeah. House of Cards. And he's also in Hunger Games. I mean, he's not a country. He's done the exactly. first act. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he's only in the first uh, act. Yeah. Right. So to, to give a brief synopsis, spoilers from here on out. It basically follows the, the life of this boy named, named Chiron. Chiron. Uh, growing up in the projects. In Miami. In Miami. Liberty City, Miami and basically his mom is she goes from basically being a casual drug user to addicted drug user to cleaning up by the end but it kind of follows his progression and it touches on a lot of different things um act one he's a young boy act two he's a teenager act three he's an adult yeah so a different adult. Act, yeah just 20 so a different actor plays chiron in each act and like there's a Roman numeral, like you know, in the act, it's like a defined start, middle, and end. Of the chapters. So I guess what what do you see this movie as being about? Please. Like yeah, that, yeah that's, that, that's kind of where where you have to start because in order to break the movie down. I mean, do you want to talk about it in like the terms like the the spoilerly aspect? It's because if you want to talk about that, it's like coming to terms with oneself, mm-hmm. specifically sexuality and your own intimacy, I guess, and like mm-hmm. your own identity sure. as a black male, and then more vaguely it's about personal intimacy and vulnerability mm. and I guess being able to be vulnerable. It's a deep movie for sure. Yeah. It has some not so fun scenes. I mean uh, there's not many there's not a lot of fun in this in this movie especially after the first act there's really not a lot of fun in this movie. No. Mo- most of the most of the fun that you do see is between Juan and Chiron. I guess w- what this movie is about for me I think it's about finding yourself Um, in in all senses of the word you know yeah definitely you you mentioned sexuality which is obviously a a running theme throughout this he identifies as homosexual right as a young boy he doesn't really coming to terms of identifying he kind of moves through that and and i think that so this is based off of a play called in the moonlight black boys look blue and that was written by Elvin McCraney. It's it's interesting because he and Barry Jenkins didn't know each other growing up. Yeah, they literally this crazy. grew up in the same project at the same exact time, at the same exact age, but they never knew each other. In Miami, like where this movie takes place. Right, and this the, the play was brought to Barry Jenkins and they were like, this isn't about you, but it's about you. And yeah. when when he read it and he kind of found out the whole story, he's like, wow, this is pretty much part of this is exactly my life. And Barry Jenkins also has a really interesting story just because he uh, had trouble getting projects off the ground as a director and mm. maintaining consistent success. Right. So it's an interesting parallel. And you look at... So Alvin McCraney identifies as, as homosexual. And you look at these these two, Barry, uh, Barry Jenkins, Alvin McCraney, and their journey in finding themselves in, yeah. in two very different ways, but with such similar running lines. And that's kind of what you see in this movie between Chiron and Kevin. Kevin is... One of his good friends. Someone um, he's known since he was a young boy. Yeah and pretty much his only friend since he was a boy. And he's also somebody that they share I guess Chiron's only sexual experience with Mm -hmm. and pretty much the only person he really has ever been truly vulnerable with outside of maybe Juan and Teresa. So I, I guess there's there's so many little things to kind of dive into here but I guess a place I really wanted to start was I thought this movie said the most when they said the least. I thought the best acting in this movie was when the actors were quiet. When you see, as a young boy, Chiron grappling with all this conflict and confusion just in his face. Yeah. And then you he go really He talks as a young boy. Right. And then you go to teenage Chiron and you see the same exact look. And the yep. same exact internal conflict, confusion. And then you see the same thing when he's this big, muscly adult... Yeah, such a, such a contrast from who he was as a boy, and you can still see him pretty much shrink inside himself as he's dealing with confusion. and. Yeah, I think the first standout scene for me was, I mean, there's a really interesting scene in the water, but, like, okay. the ocean. Right, with Juan. But another scene with Juan, where he basically asks if his mm-hmm. mom does drugs, and then subsequently asks Juan if he, he sells. sells drugs, which he does, then when he de- comes to terms with the person he was... Not, op- not necessarily opening up to, but getting comfortable with, because mm-hmm. he never had a adult figure that was, especially like a male, responsible for me. Yeah, he never didn't seem like he didn't have a dad at all. And then he just he basically just walks out. Again, he's the only young boy in the scene, so that that was really huge. And then at the back at the end of the movie, when he is a muscular twenty-something now in the shoes of Juan, more or less trapping, as he put it, doing right. drugs, basically the same exact role as Juan, muscular with a nice car. He has gold grills, right? but he's just using that as, like, armor to mm-hmm. be less intimate than ever before and just kind of hiding behind those things yeah. that people expect from him or at least will let him get away with when really he still hasn't come to terms with himself. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good movie, obviously. It's got universal acclaim. I believe it's the fourth highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes right now, ever. That's, um, yeah, it's a 98%, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, that'll even a little bit once more reviews come in, but there's still like a million reviews already out there, so it's mm-hmm. it's not like this is going to drop down a ton. And this is just basically the best picture, which we don't, we don't know Oscar nominations yet. We knew, do know Golden Globes, but the best picture is going to come down to either Moonlight, La La Land, or Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. So this is a movie you should not skip. No, absolutely not. I think one of the other things we probably should mention is that the the look it has at the life of black men not only touching on the topics of intimacy, because that's something you really never see in popular culture. Definitely popular um, culture, yeah. Is black men being able to be intimate and be vulnerable with other black men or really anybody. Mm-hmm. But it's also how certain parts of the life of a black man are almost inherently included into the way the film is made. They Both Kevin and Chiron go to jail, but they, they don't show any of that. No. But they both end up on the street selling drugs. You see part of that for Chiron but you don't really see much of that for Kevin. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like these kind of things are facts of life when you grow up in the projects for black men. And the fact that it overlooks that, but also how much it says that they, they chose not to show that and these are you know black men making a movie about black men, mm-hmm. I think is a pretty profound statement. The state of, you know obviously, black people in American culture. So, obviously really powerful. The third act, I think we should just mention really quickly. Basically, it's just Chiron and Kevin... Face to face, having a, a re- it's this really reunion. powerful series of scenes. Yeah, and so for some reason the first two acts can't catch you. Please stick through this movie because it is. The, I, I thought the ending was very powerful. I, I think I think it's a gripping movie. I think you'll be brought in pretty quick. And it's interesting because this movie was made on a very small budget, shot mm-hmm. in only twenty five days. That's amazing. because of the budget constraints. But Golden Globe nominations, it has six. Best drama. Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Original Score, and Supporting Actors for both Ali and Naomi Harris. Interesting. So... I think Ali will win. Uh, yeah. I, he's again, I haven't, we haven't seen all the Oscar movies yet, but I assume he'll get an Oscar nom as well. He was great. Yeah, he's, having, he's also having just a really great year. And when he just abruptly, more or less, is out of the picture, when you go to Act 2, it's like, oh, shit. Like, I thought he would have more presence, but then... Once you see the whole movie, you understand really the role that his character played in the film. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't want to take too much more, but it's phenomenal. Go see it. Moving on to a movie that I think we both really liked, also had a very powerful third act. Star Wars Rogue One. We're going to change up the tone here a little bit, because I think with Moonlight, it brings you down a little bit just because it does touch (laughs) on a lot of of heavy topics. We're touching on something that's not very heavy at all. It has some political overtones. It's still dark as shit. Yeah, it's Rogue One. I mean, it's Star Wars. What did you think, I guess? So I'm going to let you kind of shape this, because I know you have a lot of thoughts. You even tweeted about how many thoughts you have. So I, I want to give did. you the floor here for a little bit. Yeah, if you didn't know, if you haven't listened to the show that much, or you just didn't know, or you're a new listener, if so, welcome. Yeah, so and, I'm and, I'm slash and give us pod. a rate, review, share with friends, subscribe. Yeah. Hit us up on iTunes. Next year, we'll be on that Facebook Live audio just announced that shit today. So we'll be on there next year when they allow whoop, whoop. us us folks. But they're enjoy. not a media company, Dave. No, they're not they, a media company. They have no responsibility <laughs> oh, to see what, what they put on their nah, I hate Facebook so much. <laughs> uh, sorry. Use Twitter, at NostalgiaPod. <laughs> but yeah, so a, I'm a, a huge, diehard Star Wars fan. I have a bookshelf at my parents' house with, like, 50 Star Wars books on it. Shout both. out Mr. and Mrs. Mar- Martin. Yeah, shout, shout out them. They do not listen, because they're not good enough at the computer to consistently pull up SoundCloud.com's list. That is pod. not you. You need to teach them that. I, that doesn't I care enough. Gotta them clicks. But yeah, so I'm a huge fan, so I come into this with high expectation when the news broke that this standalone movie would be, in fact, how the Rebel Alliance stole the Death Star plans, which they then used, as we know, to build the Death Star in the very first Star Wars movie, A New Hope. I was ecstatic. So that is an awesome scene and an awesome first anthology film premise because it's a something where we know we, we know what happened, we know we're familiar with the event, but we don't know the details. And I thought that was a perfect opportunity for Star Wars to get a little beyond the Skywalker saga that we know from the numerical Star Wars titles. And having now seen Rogue One last weekend, I think it absolutely delivered and it was really just a great love letter to the fans who grew up on Star Wars or just really, really loved it, while also being just a really good iteration in the franchise for the more casual fan. There's nice, there's lots of nods and Easter egg little moments that are awesome for the hardcore fan. Some mm-hmm. some gaps are filled in that fans will really love. And at the end of the day, for the more casual fan, this movie fills in plot holes in Semi-question marks from the original trilogy. And I think the original trilogy is done better by this movie. For better or worse of Rogue One itself. So I really love this movie. So starting from this point, if for some reason you tuned in to hear our Moonlight review and not our Rogue One review, we're going to go full spoiler from here on out. So click off, come back to us after you watch Rogue One, which you should go see as soon as you can. And use an iTunes review while you're clicking off. Yeah, absolutely. Don't, Don't waste time with that. When we saw the second star wars trailer for rogue one in the summer i shared some concerns about it being coming too sappy with the reshoots wanting to make it pg-13 wanting to make sure it wasn't too dark the daddy issues i was very happy with the way that this movie did not fall into like a, a typical family you know father daughter father son story it was very dark and the third well, act, people died everybody died pretty much i mean other than what admiral fish up in the clouds no no he's definitely <laughs> oh, dead that's right he got that, captured that's right they all fucking die they all yeah Dar- darth vader i mean we'll we'll get to that we'll but, get to yeah, the end and, oh my um, god yeah pretty much everybody died in this movie gotta keep my my thoughts sensical it here. was a it so was many a thoughts real war so i mean i think that it wasn't a perfect movie what is pat moonlight moonlight, me... moonlight was pretty close <laughs> Which is actually funny that we're talking about that and, and then this, because I feel like there are, you know, there's definitely some problems. Um, I think the main critique so far has been that people weren't able to be invested in the characters. I saw you going back and forth with a friend of the pod, Steven Decorda, about this. We took that to the DMs. Oh, did you? <laughs> we're taking it <laughs> not, offline. I just need more characters, it's bro. do uh, Why don't you kind of give us your... Say waddo. Wado. Your, wado. Well, Annie. <laughs> well, how about, Annie, what did you think of Rogue One? <laughs> how about you give us your defense of the that... that no pot is worth two slaves. Sorry. <laughs> Phantom Man, it's not that good. We know that. I'm uh, sorry, what did you say? Uh, well, <laughs> how about you give us your defense of people who say that you couldn't really get invested in the characters in this movie? I think that's fair. If you didn't get invested in the characters, many people love the characters. I think the characters are all very likable and they're all fleshed out to a point and i think that for this movie it makes more sense because they're like nameless heroes in terms of this grander story these guys are like anonymous stars on the cia wall of guys that right. died right again this is not luke khan and leia so the it down i kept saying like this is more of like a plot movie but i know that sounds bad but this is more i think this movie is more about how it bridges the gap to a new hope, more or less. And because everybody died, because that, I think it's more about that greater sacrifice that mm-hmm. we found out that destroying the Death Star was the result of a lot more people's efforts than just a magical farm boy. Right. Whether you like the characters or not, or didn't feel enough impact when they died, that's fair, I suppose. But I think that it sacrificed that for the plot window dressing that was so important to the movie and what the movie was trying to do mm-hmm. yeah i think at times it was a little bit inconsistent in terms of building up certain characters like cassian i feel like it went from he was like a stone cold killer at the very beginning and then all of a sudden he was like oh i, c- I can't pull the trigger on, on galen which i guess i can understand because he's yeah falling in love with his daughter and he's i think he's just tired of doing shady shit i like how this movie established the rebels as they do dirty work the, the lines They're are blurred, blurred like, Yeah. The, this movie also gave a lot of depth to the Empire, I thought, which was awesome. Yeah. Both upper ranks with Krennic and how he interacted with Tarkin, who we'll get to. Mm-hmm. But also, like, the stormtroopers talked a lot more in this. Yeah, they did. Uh, and other people on the ground. But then, Cashin, like you said, he, he offs an informant in his very first scene. Mm-hmm. But then, that scene in the m Four base, where him and all his volunteers go tell Jin that they're going to do the mission with her, because they're tired, they're not proud of all the things they've done, but they want to try and actually do something that hopefully they see... You know the good end, so right. I think his character arc is actually one of the strongest ones. Uh, Apart I, from Jin, who Jin is obviously the lead. Yeah, at, Jin. I think Jin was good. I thought Saw was also a character which they didn't really yeah. explain enough. It didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, Saw so was just kind of played by Force Baker by the way. Yeah, and <laughs> it's funny because. <laughs> side note uh, regarding the trailer that we talked mm-hmm. about a lot of most of that trailer is not in this movie which yeah. i think is freaking great yeah it's pretty because that established the tone in the movie but it didn't actually spoil anything right i mean like obviously some of the settings were the same it had to be but you know what i think this was movie cool. actually ran into and i don't think they were expecting this when they when they started filming i think they ended up having too many characters that they wanted to give time to and not enough time to give to all of them. Riz Ahmed character Body. was supposed to be pretty fringe. I mean, he was going to be part of the crew, but like not really. They mm. were going to dive deep. But I think they they found Riz Ahmed to be so good that they were like, we need to give this guy more to work with. Right. Which is awesome, because Riz Ahmed is a great actor. But at the same time, Watch when, the night of. Yeah, when you're trying to build up Donnie Yen's character as Ch- uh, Charette Emwee, and give Alan Tudyk time as K2SO to kind of establish who he is, which you didn't really need a lot of. Well, I, Alan I, I think also. K2SO, he's was perfectly yeah, fine. Yeah, he was awesome. Yes. But like I'm saying, like you need to give time to all these awesome people while also telling the main arc of Jin along with Cassian, and then also kind of giving the background of Tom Mendelson as Tom Mendelson. <laughs> ben. Ben Orson. Call him by his first name. Yeah, Orson Krennic. When you have all these people, to I don't, I don't know how you can make a movie where you flesh out the backstories of, of all all these people. All those exactly. You can't. There's only so much you can do. Right, so and I thought they, I thought they all had great moments. Oh, absolutely. And they're all super likable, and we'll get Chiru and Baez, uh, Don Yen mm-hmm. and Win Jiang. They'll get fleshed out in uh, a, a novel or a comic or something. Yeah. But again, for the purpose of the movie, I think they serve their purpose. Whether you were invested in their their deaths more than all the other deaths we saw, I don't know if that's, that's actually the point. You know what I'm saying? Right. But I think when, when you look back at this movie, and especially with Star Wars movies, people latch on to such fringe characters sometimes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest Star Wars debate, debates ever is, you know, who shot first, Han or, or Greedo, but there's like... That's only because there's of like, a change by George Lucas. <laughs> absolutely. But when you think about, it, like, Greedo, like a character who's in the movie for two minutes is still somebody who's talked about generations later. Everyone in that cantina. You actually figure out what their names were in books and stuff. I think this movie gives side characters more than any other side characters. Because, again, we already had... I feel like we had a lot to chew on with like Mm -hmm. uh, Donnie Yen. Right. Great in every line he does. Super Mm -hmm. likable. He brought some of the best uh, humor to the movie that actually, I think, fit in terms of the otherwise very dark tones. And some of the best fight scenes, too. Yeah. So, I think that's one of the better side characters you're going to get in a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the hard thing about this, too, because... I mean, you, whether you are sad if he died or not, I mean, that's fine. But again, he's a one-off character. This is a one-off movie. Right. So whether whether you felt sad or not, I think he did his par- part. You're right. going to remember him. Yeah, and a, and a challenge of this, too, is they were also trying to... Like you said, they fleshed out the Empire. Fleshing out the Rebel Alliance, you're kind of trying to show that it's this diverse group, and it's not just... Luke Skywalker with a lightsaber, Han Solo with the Millennium Falcon, yeah. and Leia kind of just yeah. running well, shit. We got the scope it's, of the Rebels too, right? Really, In terms all, of them being both intergalactic and also just—it it was really cool seeing like the bureaucracy of it. Like we saw Senator Organa, shout out Jimmy mm-hmm. Smith's coming back yeah. from the prequels. I liked that a lot, seeing him again. But just yeah, seeing like those other like senator people and how basically. The Rebels, they had their own issues. They couldn't decide what they wanted to do, so Jyn's like, fuck it, we're going to go do this shit, and thank God they did, right? Yeah, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God Star Wars (laughs) wrote that in, absolutely. Right, well, yeah, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) No, I know what you mean. And again, is the first half a little muddled? Sure, if you want to. Yeah, I still thought it was very entertaining, and... I think you needed it to be muddled to get to that absolutely fantastic second half. Well, I, which the, is a mile minute, so great. I, I was definitely on the edge of my seat for the third act. Yeah, I, I, actually, I remember, I, I, I felt my chest, like I, my heart was racing for that, which shows you how much this movie worked, because I knew how it freaking ended. I knew they got the plans, right. and I still was super invested in mm-hmm. how the movie was going. One side note, which, I guess this is like a nitpicky thing, but Cassian basically gets shot in the chest, falls down, gets like knocked out, Krennic, who knows this building, somehow gets up to the the tower where Jin where, where Jin Urso is, mm-hmm. like two minutes behind her, and then Cassian, who had just been knocked out, somehow gets up there like a minute behind him. It, it was more than a minute. It was not more than a minute. He basically said, "Who are you?" Jin Urso says, "You know who I am." And then he's like, "Well, now you're gonna be dead." And then he gets, then Krennic is killed. So you're saying Cassian couldn't find the same elevator? Is that what you're trying to tell me here? I don't understand. Yeah. He, he, he's an he's a international man of mystery, as we saw by his sleuthing in the very beginning. He's, I'm the, gonna, he's the James Bond of Star Wars. If you want to nitpick Star Wars, a sci-fi space <laughs> opera, by all means, go ahead. You'll have a field day. That's something yeah. I have no need to do. What else stood out to you, Dave? I mean, I know you got a ton of notes there. Why don't we jump around yeah, some of your yeah. thoughts? Despite the movie connecting mm-hmm. to A New Hope, yeah. as it had to do, right, still the Death Star plans, it had to be connecting it still felt really different from a Star Wars movie. Some things were obvious, no opening crawl. But also, like, they jumped around to other planets. We had the title cards of where we were. Mm-hmm. That's very new. But also, there are lots of, like, hard cuts with the camera in terms of uh, we're here now we're here, as opposed to Star Wars, George Luke especially used lots of, like, wipe scenes. Yeah. Where you kind of, you know, blend, blend to the next right. one. Yeah. And J.J. J. Abrams also did a fair amount of wipes as well in the force awakens so i thought that was interesting but again the fear that star wars would be disneyified was more or less let go with the force awakens but even so this movie when we knew there were reshoots we were like oh maybe they're not going to let it get too dark mm-hmm. where you know they're going to try and you know keep it on brand and they very much did keep it on brand but this movie is still really dark. This puts the wars in Star Wars. And I would really like that the lines were blurred, even for the Rebels. And then if I want to you know, get into the fan service stuff, I like most of it. Cool. There's a bunch of little nods to Star Wars Rebels, which is a, a canon cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's cool. They just actually said that Saw is going to make an appearance on that
1: when oh, it, season
0: three comes back good. next the month. Worst, the worst character in the movie. Blue Milk was there in the very beginning. You know, at uh, Galen Urso's house. <laughs> I immediately quipped there. That was funny. Oh, really cool. We got Vader's castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, you, you were geeking out about this afterwards. Yeah, yeah, because that was on uh, seemingly Mustafar, which is where, you know, episode three ends, where Obi-Wan removes some limbs from Anakin. So Vader has a castle there. You were the chosen one. Exactly. exactly. We were brothers. Vader had a castle back in the 80s. In, in the uh, now expanded universe that's been decanonized, but he had a castle, so I really like how they brought that back. That's really cool, and that's where we first see Darth Vader. So, how did you feel about that scene where Krennic goes to essentially whine to Vader that Tarkin's kind of being face. disrespectful, and he's like, "Hey, why didn't you and the Emperor show up to see my test, bro? Come on, I'm I'm out here, you know, keeping a hundred for the Empire, and you don't even fucking show. <laughs> I wish Ben Mendelsohn had said that." <laughs> I wish he had. that was I thought Madison was, was great. I thought he was. I wish he actually had more. That's one of my right. gripes Is that I thought like I, he's just biting his lip and just being really brooding and brooding, callous. Yeah. You know, he was good. I, I liked him. Also, if you're gonna if you're gonna hold basically a firing squad, don't do it out in the rain. I mean, come on. You, you're it wearing did, your it, it didn't start best. to rain until it, that scene started. <laughs> I mean, he could have gone inside, though. He could have called an audible. you got to think True. on your feet there, Chronic. Yeah, but I think that's actually one of the most disappointing again, things. Again, I wanted more go Mendelsohn. ahead and nitpick the, yeah. the, the, the choices. Give me more Mendelssohn, though. <laughs> like I, I, want, I wanted to see him face off against Tarkin more. I want, he really obviously he pussied out to Vader, but, I mean, that's anyone because the, Darth Vader's the most terrifying. Vader didn't kill him. I think right. you got to take that. Yeah, <laughs> Take what you can get there. Right. Uh, he kills <laughs> um, two... Officers and Empire Strikes Back. There. I mean, uh, obviously, Nita. obviously, people are gonna pick out the corny line. Don't, sure. Don't again, on your aspirations. Again, I thought it was. It's more in character. It's still one linery, I admit mm-hmm. that. Which is, I mean, it was whatever. Again, yeah. I personally, I was like, yeah, that. I thought I thought it was funny. But yeah, it's one linery. Fine. Did you like that scene though, I thought, where yeah. we saw Vader in the back of the tank, getting his health on before, and then he comes out for the first time and has that combo with Krennic? I thought it was cool. Pretty quick. I saw some people saying that, what if we didn't have that scene? And the first moment Vader comes up is when Tarkin's like, oh no, Vader will deal with the fleet. And then Vader shows up in hyperspace, and then we see that crazy scene at the end. I mean, it would have been fine, but... I see, like, that sounds great, but I also really like that scene because I think it did more for Krennic. Yeah, I I think it did more for Krennic. I think it explained a little bit more his desperation Mm -hmm. near the end, because, I mean... I think he wanted to get credit for the Death Star, yeah. but then also being kind of emasculated by Vader and wanting to like prove to him, like, yeah. I can be this powerful leader for you, right? really was what pushed him to go to, I forgot the name of the planet at the end, where they have the big battle. Scarif. And, right, and figure that out. That scene with Vader at the end, I mean, when, when people said terrifying, I was like... Mm, it's Darth I, Vader. How I, terrifying! I, is I personally be? thought it would be like an interrogation scene or something. Right. Maybe even with Jin. Like maybe he kills Jin. Something like that. It was pretty terrifying. I mean, obviously it's you're not gonna ever gonna see like a ton of like blood and guts, but like, well, because lightsabers cauterized the runes, path, so there's no blood. But seeing the rebels who are trying to get the frantically like, past the plans, right, and just kind of screaming, Hey, help, help! Like yeah. that was what it's made just... it. And then you see Vader just like. Swinging his lightsaber around, throwing people into the air with his mind. I was like, yo, this is, this is like what Darth Vader was supposed to be. Right, and like, I think when we talked about the second trailer, and even when we talked about World 1, once we knew Vader was confirmed to be in it, because mm-hmm. uh, he shows up in that second trailer. You see like fly towards Mendelsohn in that... I think it was the same scene. You him walking, but he's kind of walking briskly. You sure? Yeah, pretty sure. Uh, but, uh, I'll have to go back to the, the tapes. Yeah, yeah, but I think what, what I was saying is that Vader makes sense to be in this movie because... Obviously. New Hope starts with him chasing down Leia and looking for the plans. So obviously he was right there. But the fact that we actually watched him literally almost get the plans and cut down all these rebels, and then in turn we have a recreation of Leia's ship where all Mm -hmm. those guys are bracing, and now when we watch New Hope, we know that Vader just killed a fuck ton of rebels in horrifying ways moments before. Mm -hmm. Also, I I think this doesn't get enough attention, but... Galen Erso, uh, Matt Mikkelsen, who was really good for what he did, his role basically explains the convenience of how the Death Star got destroyed in New Hope. Right. Small thermal the exhaust port only two meters wide is mm-hmm. not just a stupid plot MacGuffin now from A New Hope. It was sabotage that took decades for Galen Erso to plan. And not only that... I love that. But they also kind of explain why the, the Empire doesn't know what it was right because right. the whole planet gets destroyed but but only the rebels get the the dispatch yeah. so that, that's why they they don't go and fix it because they don't know what right. it was only the only the rebels know yeah and which then, is also important to and include he, in that because it's he, like and he took years to plan this so it's not like something that he could just hey by the way i put this thing there on this moon-sized bow station you'll totally find it no you need to right. you need these plans but i thought that was really cool because it like i said i think this makes a new hope better mm-hmm. because a new hope, if you want to criticize it, it is slower and it is relatively smaller in scope, right? It's effectively oh, yeah. in space, on Tatooine, in space. It's a Death Star, and that's it. Right. So I, I just think this gives a lot more meaning to that. Speaking of all the characters, what did you think of CGI Tarkin and Leia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, that's definitely the things people. thought. I liked it. Yeah. So. I liked when we first saw Tarkin. I was really happy because I was like, I assumed that Krennic would kind of be like, not lone wolfy, but we wouldn't feel like he was really in the Empire Mm -hmm. per se. We he just kind of, oh hey, yeah, send send little Krennic to do the project, right? And he'll do his thing. But the fact that he had direct scenes with Tarkin, I thought, really brings it all together. And again, boosts Tarkin's role in the New Hope. Mm -hmm. The problem, though, is that. Because Tarkin's in a bunch of scenes, which are great scenes, great dialogue, but the problem is that the, the CGI effect of putting Peter Cushing's face on the actor they had playing stand, standing in as Tarkin mm-hmm. doesn't totally work. It's still great CGI, but there's still that Uncanny Valley effect where it just doesn't, doesn't look, look real scene. enough, it's right. yeah. not good enough. And I think I have a pretty good feeling that down the line, years down the line, they'll touch that up and make it look as best as they possibly sure. can, but... When we first see Tarkin, we see his reflection through the window of mm-hmm. the ship as Credit was like walking up to him. Some people are saying that maybe if we just saw that in a few moments, it would have done better. But I really did like seeing Tarkin interact. Because again, I think it makes sense for the story. Sure. But I mean, I guess, you know, it, I think it is a miss to put Peter Cushing's face in there. Maybe they could have just did a younger actor. I don't have strong feelings about it, but I understand people's criticism. Sure. I mean, it wasn't something that bugged me. I kind of liked it only because it kind of ties everything in. It if does, you would seen no, a different vector really and then, I mean, you'd kind of be like, eh. Also, I thought for the amount of screen time, it was really used. I mean, Leia was... A second. Five seconds, maybe? Delivering a nice line in the movie, too. Yeah, it was. And, and Tarkin obviously got a lot more time on screen. But, I, I mean, I don't think it really took anything away If anything. It just kind of added some continuity between this sure. movie and A New Hope, which I thought yeah. was fine. And, like, if you want to say you got distracted, got taken out of the movie by the effect, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's, fortunately, that didn't happen to me, but I understand that. Some people are saying, oh, maybe we didn't have to have Leia turn around. You obviously know it's her with the buns and the white, yeah, you know, gowns. I'm like, eh, whatever. And also, and Yavin 4 at the base, which is awesome seeing more of the Rebel base, by right. the way, 3PO and R2 show up for that brief moment, 3PO right. delivers some line. Some people are like, do we really need that? They're implied that they're there, and I'm like, yes, but showing that, it's people will cool. like that. Right. And also, we have to keep the continuity, because they're the only people that have been in every movie. Yeah, that's true. And right, people, awesome. I mean, droids are people, too, so... Any last thoughts, Dave, on row one. One final touch that uh, Gareth Edwards actually talked about this, but a lot of the rebel pilots yeah. were rocking like the 70s mustaches and sideburns. Yeah, cool. He encouraged that to keep the aesthetic of the films from the 70s when they made them. Right. I really like that touch. It was also really interesting to see the ships that dropped the troops off. Yeah, and you got to see a lot more of, of the aerial uh, rebel force. Yeah, what did you think of the? Ad? Oh yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> Gareth Edwards, his best strength is his sense of scale. We saw that right. at full stop in Godzilla 2014. I call him 80s. I, I do too. Yeah, yeah. When they're on the beach, mm-hmm. there's like, you hear them. You you know that sound yeah. from Empire when mm-hmm. like they're making their steps, mm-hmm. and uh, Bay's just kind of like looks up hears the noise again, looks at everyone just, like, fucking run. Mm-hmm. And, like, that scene I thought was fantastic because, first of all, we we're seeing at on a mm-hmm. beach, right. not in the snow. That was cool on its own. But then also seeing all that in atmosphere dogfighting with the TIE fighters yeah. and X-Wings was fantastic. And then when they send that like, that hammerhead ship to mm-hmm. crash into the Star Destroyers yeah, and make really them collide awesome. and take out the shield, again, Edward's phenomenal. And also, at the very end of the movie, one of the coolest things is when when radish is like get the fuck out and everyone go to hyperspace a bunch of ships are about to do it and star destroyers come back in and they all just crash yeah and they don't escape and i was like oh my god that was fantastic <laughs> and then very quickly you're like oh shit Rash didn't get away. Oh no, they all died. <laughs> yeah, pretty much everybody is dead. Yeah, I mean, I think what this movie is trying to accomplish, it did a, a really good job. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not perfect. It's not Moonlight, but yeah, it's a great Star Wars movie. I think it's one of my favorites. Again, if you want to, cri- if you didn't have the characters hit for you, that sucks. If you want, if you didn't like the the CGI effects that took it out for you, fine. What I don't want you to criticize is saying that it didn't feel like a standalone movie enough for you. Because it's, it's about stealing the fucking Death Star plans. It can't stand alone. Right. It's a standalone movie to I'm sorry. the first movie made in the series. That's just not something And like And so, some of the criticism is good. Great great writing. Great points. I agree with them. But some of them are just like total like teardowns. Mm-hmm. With that as the main criticism. That, Jim, like, like at IndieWire, IndieWire, whatever his name says that. I'm like, okay, but like, that, that, that's like saying Doctor Strange didn't feel realistic enough for you. Mm-hmm. I just don't think you knew what movie you were watching. Right not saying you're a bad critic, it's just you can't review Rogue One in a vacuum. It literally is the opposite of a movie to review in a vacuum. So I, just, I agree. So just you. be smart with your criticism. Again, I've acknowledged the things that are the problems. You've brought them up, too. So I love the movie. I thought it was really, really good, and I can't wait to see it again. So know what you think. There's a lot to talk about. We'll probably be mentioning Rogue One as we do our end-of-year pods, yeah. talking about our favorite music, movies, and TV of the year. I think it's uh, quite clearly the best blockbuster of the year yeah wow that's that's quite the statement uh especially going up we need a weak summer yeah well especially going up against uh you know a hit like suicide squad yeah says a lot yeah so yeah. uh <laughs> make those <was> bills bro <laughs> do i talk about side characters that didn't feel developed and you had no weight when they died <laughs> watch suicide squad anyways stay tuned we're we're dropping one podcast this week you'll have three nostalgia yeah. pods to end up not two not four week. yeah three the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Mm. I think that was a Tupac song. Hard rock, right there. <laughs> Anyways, you can find us next week. You can find Dave at. what are those? Swagon. We have to tell him what those pods are going to be, bro. So the the pods are going to be us wrapping up what we liked most, thought was the best music, TV, and movies, movies of the year. So For good old 2016. They're, they're going to be fairly short, 20-25 minutes. Yeah. Maybe. Focused. Yep, trying to keep just trying to give some shine to stuff. Maybe we didn't talk enough about this year. Because, like Atlanta and the night of. Right. Because we we, <laughs> we we only talked about Kanye for almost every single pot this year. Mm. Anyways, uh, we almost made it through an episode without saying his name. Had to get it in there. I actually wrote something down earlier in the week. I was like, oh well, relevant thing I could have brought up happens to be Kanye. Oh well. <laughs> we didn't mention it. I forgot what it was. Well, it, he met with Trump. No nah, was something else. Anyways, <laughs> I want You to can talk about find that. Dave at Martin <laughs> Swag. You can find me at Sheeny World Peace. You can find the pod at Nostalgia Pod. Follow us SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast One, HBO, you... all these places. <laughs> We're everywhere. <laughs> Facebook Live Audio 2017. We out. Tune in. in. Google Play. Um, share us with friends. Art 19. We're not uh, 19. The the force is with you. I am one with the force. We out. Don't choke on your aspirations. All my days, I pray.